All right. So today we're going to talk about the intrusive brain. And I'm pumped as usual. But today I think that, I, you know, I want you guys to approach this. Maybe, you know, you already know you have OCD. Maybe you don't have OCD. You just tend to have more intrusive thoughts. That can happen too. Right. So <clears throat> whatever the, the case may be, I want you to approach today with an open mind of just imagining the scenarios. If you can, if you feel like you've been in that same situation, take this for what it is and see if maybe some of the tips I offer at the end, you, you never know. It might surprise you. And, you know, at the end of the week, you look back and say, I saved so much stress. Maybe you learned something, but again, maybe you've been like, this has been my whole life. I need these tips. Just cut to the chase. Either way, I think this is going to be a really good zoom. Um, so I want you guys as, as I'm going through everything, if you relate to something, if you don't relate to something, I want you to tell me in the chat. All right, just keep that feedback coming. Like I usually say, I try to get to everybody for the sake of time. If I don't, I wanna continue it one-on-one, -on -one, okay? So let's get into it. Okay. <clears throat> what the hell are intrusive thoughts? So first, you know how I love to kick these off. You tell me, what do you consider an intrusive thought? This light, I don't care. This is supposed to help quality of video. You guys know what I'm saying anyway. Oh my God, I can't, okay. What are intrusive thoughts to you as you know them? Tell me in the chat. Thoughts that ruin the day for damn sure. <laughs> you know, oh my God. They kind of just hit, punch you in the gut out of nowhere, right? What else? Something that pops into your head that is hard to ignore might be something you don't even want to think about or are like, where the hell did that come from? Mm -hmm. Involuntary thoughts that happen incessantly. Worst case scenario thoughts popping in without any warning. Repetitive thoughts you can't escape. Example, you suck. Oh my God, you know... <laughs> I picked up on little details. Do you guys remember in SpongeBob, there's always that one guy in the background is like, you suck. <laughs> Usually making fun of Squidward. That's like, I feel like our inner dialogue. I always, oh my God, I think of that every time I hear that phrase. You suck. Effed up thoughts that are anxiety inducing. Yeah. So yeah, all of that. Intrusive thoughts are all of that. Intrusive thoughts are thoughts that are not welcome. They're thoughts that just pop up with there maybe maybe they're from something that causes a result or maybe they are just involuntary whatever the case may be there's something that is just unwelcome intrusive if you will so when you have a, you know a lot of people are surprised by this but it's actually a quality of both ADHD and OCD it can be a quality of people who are suffering from PTSD CPTSD all the acronyms right? They can all experience these intrusive thoughts. And it's especially pronounced, I find, amongst people who are chronically ill. Because if you think about it, you know, your intrusive thoughts might be about family members. They might be about being left alone. It might be about losing something really close that you're like, you really love and care about, whatever. It might be the most gut-wrenching, awful shit. But it can also be a part of just trying to have control. And we're going to get into what that means a little bit. So 
here are the ways. And now we could talk about all the different types of intrusive thoughts that we're all having, you know, throughout the day, but you'll find that the common theme is that it's just terror inducing. Here are the few topics I see that are the most commonly disruptive to what we're doing in CCA and what the results that we want to get. And then I'm going to go into them a little bit and try to get your feedback between. Okay. So tell me which one of these you guys relate to. When you, it makes you think that you're predicting a tragedy that's, that could happen or that you don't want to happen. How many times have you guys had like a, a, an exact and awful thought about something that you would want to prevent? And you keep thinking about it to the point where you go, oh my God, is this what's literally going to happen? Because then you just can't explain why it would be visual. Why, why it would be so at the front of your brain, right? Obsession with not having OCD, not having intrusive thoughts, not you know, just having nothing at all and just obsessed with why it is that this is happening. It's like a complete wall, a, a rejection to it. You know, I see this a lot of times and it's funny because it translates even into chronic illness. Those clients tend to have a lot harder time accepting the ins and outs of invisible illness as well. So time blindness, creating these, these phases of time that don't necessarily exist, but it's intrusive. It feels like, oh my God, this has been, it's been a two week rut. It's been a two month rut. I've just been lost for a month now. Overanalyzing of your method, whether it's with this, with anything, just overanalyzing something, you know, all of the points are valid, you know what you're doing, but there's just something that in overanalyzing it, it's like, it feels like the way you proceed is controlled by how you're analyzing it. Being obsessed without, with not getting your hopes up. I heard this a few times today, not jinxing it. Uh, is this, is this something you guys are hearing? And you're like, holy shit. So much of my effort. And I, again, some of you might've been here at this point for a while now, but <laughs> who's hearing this? And they're like, wow, that is so much extra stress. I don't even realize is just constantly on a, on a track. It's hard because the thing about intrusive thoughts is they freaking feel real. They feel urgent. They feel like they need your attention now. They need you to do something about it now, but it's just something you're thinking. The hell are you going to do? You know? Let me read these here. Avoiding jinxing myself because I think something bad will happen if I do. I'm always convinced. And honestly, sometimes it would actually happen. So that didn't help with me thinking I was predicting things. I, I get that. Um, driving over bridges is a nightmare to my imagination. I hate bridges. I hate them. I hate them so much. And it was especially fun moving down here where there are so many pretty bridges, with pretty water all around. And my husband will innocently be like, Oh my God, look over there, look over there and turn his whole body away as he's driving. And I'm just like, look, look forward, look forward. Don't, I don't want to look. <laughs> I hate bridges. Um, not jinxing is a popular one, like three times today, you know, analysis, paralysis, procrastinating and pro procrastinating perfectionists. Mm -hmm, that's over analysis, you know, over analyzing the process, but I should be doing it this way. But if I do that, then down the line, this is going to happen. And 
And before you know it, it's like the whole process is dictated by the obsession with the process. Every time I'm on the road, my brain is final destination. Mm -hmm. That really, that movie really hurt my, you know how many times I worked, I was a manager, plenty of stories here if everyone, anyone ever wants to hear them, but I managed a few tanning salons and the amount of times I had to explain to people how it is physically impossible to be final destination in a tanning bed. I get it because OCD, I get it, but it was just a funny part of my job there because of that movie. So also I'll never drive behind a log truck. I never even watched the movie because I knew my ass would be too anxious for it. I just know those few scenes. Um, also being paranoid about double checking things constantly because I don't trust that I actually did something or I checked it right. Yup. That could take so much time and energy. You know, um, I'm always convinced I won't get something like a job or something I'm excited about will be canceled, like my vacation. Um, and also I hate tunnels more. I absolutely hate tunnels as well. I don't know why it is traffic in a tunnel will really get me because then my brain immediately goes, what if there's a flood right now? <laughs> you know, or like what, like I, I think of the craziest shit, you know, intrusive thoughts, but a bridge is a no go every single time traffic or not. I hate them. Um, burners being on dogs, being in their room, curling iron off garage door closed. Yeah. Definitely the overanalyzing of the process, right? So let's talk about, let's break these down little by little, okay? Now, mind you, I might say stuff during this call that I don't expect any of you guys to have never thought this or never heard this or not logically understand this. It's just a reminder, I guess, and a way to maybe some of you guys haven't thought it through. But again, our one-on-ones, if this talk feels a little bit like been there, done that, talk to me one-on-one -on -one about this and we'll get more thorough, okay? But let's go to number one here. So making you think you're predicting a tragedy. Now, this is a, 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 nerve, a nervous moment for me because I'm not, not everybody hears me talk about this kind of side of, me, of myself. And if you don't believe in this stuff, I totally respect that. I'll never push it down your throat. But I truly believe I've been a psychic medium since I was a child. Eventually you stop saying, well, that was a coincidence. You know, like, eventually weird shit happens where all of everyone who's in your life notices that it's, it's unavoidable, right? So I personally believe in this stuff. I just want to say that if you don't tune me out for this next section here, but I don't think that, I think distinguishing between intrusive thoughts and something that you feel like you're, you know, you're remote viewing or you're predicting, if you will, whatever. I think that that's so different. And I want to try and liken it to a, a reminder versus a scream. If something is screaming at you, if it's popping up out of nowhere, if it's like, oh my God, you know, like, uh, what's going to happen? I have to change everything. That is an intrusive thought. If it's a, if it's a subtle reminder that continuous, continuously happens and it's not rooted in insecurity, you want to be careful where it's coming from. Is it really, is it an intrusive thought about something that deep down it stirs you because it hits at your deepest fears? Chances are that's your brain being a jerk, right? If it's something that is like when, when it comes to predictions and stuff like that, we're not like prophets here, right? you know, like we're not like sitting here like Nostradamus, you know, predicting like crises and shit like that. I, a lot more of the psychic abilities come in intuition on knowing things from the past from somebody, um, being able to remote view. Like, like I said, you know, there's so many facets 
to psychic ability. If again, if you're into this and you want to talk one-on-one, I could talk about this shit all day. Um, but I'm not, I don't want to talk about it on in one of these zooms because you know, I don't want to chew up time for people who are totally adverse to that. That's fine too. Everyone has their own journey. Um, but just keep that as a reminder, you know, the, the, if it feels like it's fear, it's probably fear. If it feels like something you just kind of have learned in the past over time, or you've connected with somebody and then you get that reading for them and things like that, that's a whole different realm. Um, but be careful at looking at the past to say, well, in the past I thought this and then it happened. That could just be a very valid extreme fear that happened to come true. And the reason you're afraid of it was probably because the situation that happened create, you know, it, it led to that. It doesn't always, but it does provide for some really hard times trying to distinguish because I mean, to an, especially to OCD, like what further proof do you need than last time you let this go, look what happened. But I would argue to say, if it's, if something like that, like we're not getting that message to try and intervene necessarily, if that's not our fate to do so. At the same, ha- at the same token where we could be getting that prediction, what is the point of that prediction? You know, and if it's rooted in that extremely deep fear where it's almost like it knows us, that's probably because it's our brain. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't talk about it or you should try to avoid the thought or run away from it. It just means that it's another deeper facet of intrusive thoughts and why they're so emotionally upsetting. It's confusing for sure. So let me read. What are you guys' thoughts on that before I keep going? Any of you were like, Michelle, you're a crackhead, but I still love you. That's cool too. But thoughts on that section before we move on. It's hard to distinguish because I am very intuitive and I have known really bad things were going to happen and it did, but every intrusive thought feels similar for sure. You know, and at the end of the day, it's also a comfort too, because let's say you have intrusive thoughts about a lot of the people that you love or whatever. You're like, oh my God, I got to go get them out of the way before a car hits them or something like that, right? Like, can you in that moment, are you at that place in that moment to even do anything to stop it? You know, so it's kind of like a, uh, as shitty as this seems, it's kind of like a, I can do what I can do, but beyond that, I can't be any help to anybody can't help Susie Lou from out in front of a car, right? Like if I am barreled over in that fear. So maybe analyzing where that fear is coming from, talking to the people that it's involved with, you know, being close with them, just kind of reassuring yourself because anything that happens beyond that wouldn't have been in your control to change, even if it was a prediction, if that makes sense. But analyze how the situation that that pops up from. I've had some strange dreams and thoughts at weird times still confuses me. Yeah. Some people um, have a more of a connection, like astral connection. So sleeping, you know, being able to separate from the consciousness, it gets really weird, but this shit's been studied by the CIA. And I, I swear to God, I'm not an easy sell on stuff. I just been my entire life that this shit has happened. And then it just, you know, FOIA act was a fun thing to happen look that up. All of the CIA's records on studies on all this stuff, the Gateway series in particular, is all available on CIA.gov website. If you go to the bottom, go to Freedom of Information Act. You can search their entire database for all, all studies they've ever done. Any word you search, like it'll pull up studies. It's really cool. Um, <clears throat> let's see. 
I feel like I usually just expect the worst because so many bad things have happened. And I feel like in the past, things that I never expected to happen have happened and not always for the better. That's the way we work through this stuff. I think I'm going to circle back to this because that's just that's an overarching theme, right? Is just because we we just want to feel control. We want to feel in we're, we're present. We're ahead of the game. We're not going to be blindsided, all of that. But that's what leads to the anxiety of not allowing us to be present, really. And then like bad things will happen, right? Like you're afraid of something bad happening for a reason, because, you know, are, if you were afraid of an airplane jet falling from the sky onto your head, that might be a little bit harder to wrap your head around, right? But people leaving, people lying, people not being truthful, people getting sick, you know, all of those things are, are terrifying, awful, real, common, unfortunately, events. So our extreme fear of it leading up to it only magnifies the possibility that we could have known or we could have done something different when if it could have happened differently, it would have as hard as not, not, I don't mean to make that sound like you shouldn't be upset anymore about it, just at the core of it, you know? I have intuitions and notice things, signs leading up to things. So it's hard to differentiate. And then I have so many signs from universe when my dog was sick and it was all made sense when he was diagnosed and also dreams. Yeah, it's important to listen to these things, but the aspect of the fear that they incite the feeling of action that should be taken because now you've thought this, you know, I would say that's the part to, to temper and look at to say, is this an intrusive thought? Is this my brain really in hyperdrive right now? You know, um, or not. And what is within my power to control and do as a result? It's really hard. Um, number two. So number two here was obsession with not having these, like, like I don't have intrusive thoughts. I don't want to have them. Why do I have them? Blah, blah, blah. It's funny because this, like I said, this could be true for all chronic illness, especially invisible illness, right? So if we logically know we have them, it sometimes feels impossible to accept it because it feels like it should be within our control to change it. This idea of this other presence or our bodies, because how many times do we separate our bodies from ourselves? Like my body's against me. This idea that there's this entity that is, that is making us feel this way, live this way, whatever, is terrifying. So the alternative to that is like, oh, well, I, there's nothing there. I should just be able to snap out of this because what's the alternative? We're at the whim of whatever, you know? So sometimes intrusive thoughts can come through to, to literally your obsession with it not being something serious for pushing through, for being able to do it, for being so damn hard on yourself could be a form of intrusive, obsessive thinking. So I think the hardest thing with that is right here. There's a difference between being hard on ourselves and being obsessed with being hard on ourselves. There's a difference between being hard on ourselves and being obsessed with being hard on ourselves. What does that statement mean to you guys? What does that difference mean to you guys? Being hard on yourself versus be, uh, being obsessed with being hard on yourself. 
it's a hard one, right? Because you hear it and it makes sense. And then you try to explain it and you're like, um, <laughs> but let's dive into it. So being obsessed with being hard on yourself feels like what? To being having your shit together, being ahead of the game, being a type A, not let you know, being dependable, reliable, consistent. That's what we think is like the ideal. And if you're not obsessed with being hard on yourself, then you're just making excuses. You're being too easy on yourself. You're wasting your life. You're a bad example. So there's a difference between just being hard on yourself to be like, damn, I should have done that better. or I could have done that better. That's hard to break. I do that myself sometimes, you know, like a lot of the stuff I do, even as, as you guys have, some of you have been with me as you've watched my business grow, you know, I'm not a very formal person in case, in case anyone's shocked, you know? So as I've learned how to do things that some people, it just seems can do just so effortlessly. Like they look like they've been like coding since they were 12 or something. And I don't know how to send a fucking email, but you know, all of these things, see, <laughs> I make the jokes, but it's kind of serious. Um, there's a difference between being a little hard on yourself and being like, oh, damn it, I gotta do that next time. You know, that's okay, that's productive. Being obsessed with being hard on ourselves is being, is that thought of if I'm not hypervigilant, then I am slacking. It's, it's that all or nothing kind of brain set, mindset, brain set. <laughs> so let's see what you guys are saying here. I feel like it's just normal to always be hard on myself. So I don't see the difference. Yeah. That's understandable. Feeling that we have to be hard on ourselves or punish ourselves. Yeah. It's almost like we have to like, like be, I don't know, like modest and grateful for what we get, you know? So it's kind of like by punishing ourselves and not, or not praising ourselves, not getting ahead of ourselves, you know, it's like feels more real or something, but it doesn't it just feel shittier. I have to be hard on myself because then if it doesn't work out, then I'm not disappointed. So I go to worst case scenario. Yeah, absolutely. But we all know we're all overachievers in here. No matter how much we mentally try to prepare ourselves for disappointment, does it ever quite prepare us for disappointment? No, <laughs> we might just say, oh, I knew it, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't still feel like shit. You know, it doesn't spare us that feeling of disappointment. Um, and we don't have to blame ourselves for that disappointment if we don't nearly kill ourselves trying to accomplish something. That often we have to have that all or nothing brain we talked about last week. And it's not, if it's not perfect, we have to beat ourselves up and the cycle goes on and on. Absolutely. I feel like some people can have a bad day and be hard on themselves, but being obsessed with being hard on myself for me is like everything about my day, obsessing and focusing on everything I should do and how hard I should push my, push myself. And that I pressure, I put on myself in everything I do. Sorry, I'm reading so fast. Um, <laughs> but I think that's like bingo. That was my, my next point here is it's that the difference is that it snowballs. It starts out as one thing. And then it, it piggybacks on to something else that's displeasing. And then it piggies back on to something else that you forgot about from last week. And then it piggybacks on to something else and onward and onward and onward that. And then if anything happens throughout the rest of the day, that isn't what 
is ideal. On any other day, you might not really care about that thing. But let's say this is the day your friend tells you they're going to be an hour late to come over, you know, and, and you're just like, you have nothing to do that day, but it just pisses you off, right? And it just little things that could happen ordinarily take on new life. That obsession that starts at the root of your shit day being because you let something, you know, fall through the cracks. That is the difference of how it becomes intrusive instead of productive. Great point, Chelsea. Uh, I mean, I guess my only comment is that there's only been one person I've ever truly hated. That's powerful. I'm trying to think. I feel like I'm I'm petty. There's a lot. There's a couple people I really I really hate. Like I'm trying to think. These days, yeah, I don't think hate is a bad thing all the time. As long as it doesn't make you like you know, vengeful, angry, and like out of your own moral compass, you know, but I was, I just took that in and I'm like, could I say that? I don't think I could these days. <laughs> there's, there's a few. Um, so, I mean, our contractor is, is actually who came to mind, but anyway, anyway, so it is a different hate. It's a much different hate. It's a hate that like knows you at your lowest, darkest, most feeble, insecure version of yourself like the way nobody else sees you or knows you and is disgusted by it. That's a whole different hate, you know? And I think it makes sense that that can turn into intrusive thoughts on its own, right? One of the points here, when I get to the end part of this, it'll make sense why I'm saying that that could be an intrusive thought creator on its own but we'll get to that for sure. Um, time blindness. Time blindness is freaking real. It is so, it is such an insidious thing. And how it relates to intrusive thoughts is we create time periods based on this time blindness, based on the intensity of the emotions we're feeling in that moment, the intensity of the disappointment we're feeling in that moment. You know, if we really had our hopes up, we were planning on something going differently and then it doesn't, that can take on a whole new life. And all of a sudden it's been this two month rut. I've been lost in the sauce for half the program, whatever. And really it's been like a few days of feeling disconnected here or there, but it feels like this span and it feels real. It's not, you know, I don't mean to make it like sound silly in to us, like all intrusive thoughts, there's no such thing as silly. It's this whole big wasted chunk of our lives. We're never going to get back. It makes us feel like the future is spoken for in some way. I know this happened before, so this has to happen again. A little bit of the prediction kind of stuff, you know, but not only that, predicting how people will speak to you in conversations, how certain situations will go, what, what you should be afraid of, what you shouldn't, being stuck in like a rigidity. All of that has to do with time blindness. Our subconscious obsession, think about this. Because this blew my mind. As I wrote it, I'm like, this can either make no sense or be super deep. Our subconscious obsession with not having enough time leads to what? Our subconscious obsession that we don't have enough time leads to what in our everyday? 
procrastinating, but I mean, resonant anxiety response, but one, it's a different word than that. Urgency. It creates a constant sense of unrestful urgency. It's why rest feels like crap. It's why just relaxing and not thinking feels insane. It's because time blindness is a cell, a subconscious obsession with running out of time, not having enough time, being behind all of those things that time blindness is causing that insecurity. And when you don't feel you have enough time to do everything, you try to do everything now and you're human and you can't do everything now. So when that happens, it is anxiety central because, well, what do I do first? What's the most important? And depending on who you are and what you've been through, your level of priorities of what to do first might be different than what actually should get done first to somebody else. It's like a mind fuck in itself. And here we are thinking we just suck at time management. Let's see what you guys are thinking about this one. Mo, oh, sorry, Mo, you said, well, usually I hate people because I love them and they hurt me, but with myself, it's different. Oh, for sure is different. I get that. Um, procrastinating. Yep, I, oh, I mentioned that before. Absolutely, as a response to that overwhelm of like, I don't know what to do, you know? So then we just, analysis paralysis, we just push it off or we go for the thing that feels safest or easiest, even if it's not the most time sensitive. And to others that might look like lack of discipline. It's just anxiety dealing with time blindness. Time is my enemy. Yeah. And we technically, we have so much of it. It feels like it's flying by these days, but we do have so much of it. Hopefully not good. Um, uh, unneeded urgency equals feeling of having to just survive. Yeah. What, how can you rest if you just constantly feel like there's never enough time? It's like being chased down by something and saying, I think I want to lay out by the pool and give it some time to catch up. That's not going to be our instinct. Sometimes rest would give me anxiety. Mm -hmm. I think I should be doing something now. And logically, we know it's okay if I chill out for a half hour. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not like, everything's going to be fine. Like I'm okay, but it doesn't feel like that because the subconscious intrusive thought that's attached to it is that it's wasteful in some way that you'll regret it, that you're behind. You can make better use of it. It's just time blindness. Totally. Like if I have a doctor's appointment or something, I feel like I can't relax or focus until it's done. I totally get that. I'm a different human. Once my calls have completed for the day, that's for sure. You know, and now that's saying that as someone who manages their time blindness, their anxiety around this, it's taken me years. And I still have OCD. Not every day is going to be on my A game. Not every night of sleep is fantastic. You know, it's just part of life. There's things that happen, you know? So with that, you can try and manage this all you want, but I get it. I have days where it's really ragging on me too. I'll usually tell you guys, if I have a call with you and I'm like running around, I'll usually preempt it and be like, I am brain farting today. I'm so sorry, you know, but it's part of our brains. I feel like I overstress myself and then almost burn out. So I need to lay there and do nothing, which stresses me out more because then I'm sitting there not doing anything. Yeah, that's a good point. So you want to think of all of this stuff with neurodiversity and stuff. You want to think of like, 
it's like a game of uh what is it the jump rope the two double dutch it's like when you jump in and you're just waiting you're like all right when do i get in when do i get in you know figure that out for yourself where is the beginning of the overstressing and then try to work your way back from that so <clears throat> okay change adhd i i feel like i've done one on this recently i don't think it was exactly on change adhd i don't remember what it's called but a few weeks ago i started talking about this concept and I believe I mentioned it was going to be its own thing in this in the brain camp. And it needs to be because this is a big one. And our intentions are always good. We always want to be doing the best we can. We don't want to feel like shit anymore. We don't want to feel like we're not doing everything we can to change feeling like shit. Right. But when that's happening, our body is an entire system. A whole mechanism that works together, an ecosystem, I should say, that works together. When one thing's off, another area can be affected. And when that area is affected, another one can be affected. And it's not always because of any one thing you're doing or not doing. It could be something that has, it, it has absolutely nothing to do with what you're doing or not doing, but making that change, jumping around, trying to grapple onto improvements that we have no time to measure. It's just about intrusive thought. You're just quieting the part of your brain that thinks I will not just stay feeling like shit another day. I'm not just going to lay down and take it. But it just doesn't ever give us that one spot to look at because it's too scary to do that. So the fear of missing something, of making it worse, of regretting it, just like with rest, is also with not jumping from shiny object to shiny object. So this supplement, that hormone shot, this person's, you know, uh, $350 freaking uh, orientation meeting I have to go to where I have to order blood work I don't need. Like there's so much shit out there that is specifically to prey on the intrusive thought that we're wasting time. We're not doing it right. We're going to get sicker. We're missing something. All of that. It's all change ADHD. Shiny object syndrome, whatever you want to call it. You know, um, but it's it's all based on an intrusive thought. It's not just because we're trying to be, you know, assholes. It's because it's our brain is trying to do the right thing as much as possible. And it feels hopeless. That just causes more stress and more anxiety. <sighs> and then number five here, being obsessed with not getting your hopes up, not jinxing, blah, blah, blah. We are not fools. And we're not going into something that we're hopeful for because we're a fool. We are all just human beings that are doing what we can with the knowledge that we have at the moment. Our, all of our knowledge is forever expanding and you always have the opportunity to change that feeling and you know evolve that, become more educated in certain areas, right? But don't ever think that you're gonna regret trying to go into something, making the best decision you can, you could for yourself at that time. That's all we are doing. That's all we can do every day. That's a logic explanation. The intrusive thought explanation is you're a jackass. You're not going to like, don't go around acting like, you know, you're a hot shit. You're going to get these results. This is great. Why? So then when, you know, Betty down the block sees you at the block party this summer and you look bigger than you did then, you, she can think you're an idiot. Who cares, right? The, the, the issue is the intrusive thought because the, logically when none of us right now are in that thought spiral, we could laugh at that. We could be like, yeah, 
who cares? In the moment, intrusive thoughts feel real. So if you're feeling like, you know, oh God, I don't want to be fooled. Is this too good to be true? Uh, it's not even that big of a result. All you're doing is not allowing yourself to settle into something that could be your safe place, your happy place. You're choosing to say, you know, um, no, you know, I know you're, you're randomly offering me this like fabulous rent controlled apartment with beautiful mid-century furniture throughout. Um, but too good to be true. I don't want to get my hopes up. I'm going to pass. So it's like, what that's what we're doing in, in our, our lives every day. Like that by saying like, I don't want to get my hopes up. You're not avoiding disappointment. Like I was saying before, you're still going to be disappointed. You're just basically making it harder on yourself to accomplish what it is you want to. So I know I've just spent the last, what, like 40 minutes telling you guys all the shit you already knew <laughs> that you experience every day. Let's talk about how to start working through some of these. Okay. Now I'm not by any means, I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I'm not like some trained psychologist. I think that I believe everyone should be in therapy. I'm a huge advocate for it. And I hope that this maybe encourages some conversations with those professionals. Should you want to go down that route? Um, if anything you related to means anything, or if any of these tips help. Okay. So a couple of things I do, at least for me to help with my OCD is the leaf example. Some of you have heard this from me already, but I want you guys to think of the, the big, the hardest part of OCD is the mind that surrounds intrusive thoughts, how they screw with our brains for the reasons we just said. A lot of the, the way I'm going to describe this is in the analogy of, I want you to picture a brook, like a stream, a brook, water, whatever in front of you, moving body of water. And on that, there's this leaf, this one yellow leaf that's on this brook. And as it's passing by, you're like, why am I paying attention to that leaf? Why do I care so much about that leaf? And then you find yourself looking at it and you're like, what the hell is so special about that leaf? And before you know it, telling yourself not to focus on the leaf or wondering why you're focusing on the leaf is having you follow the goddamn leaf down the brook. And now you're walking next to it and you're like, what's it doing? Is it going to go under? Is it going to rip apart and get stuck? And it's now taken over a chunk of your time and your day and your thoughts. So this is going to sound really stupid and simple, but then when you try it and it helps, you're going to be like, whoa. But the idea is to think of it as when you see the leaf on the brook, you're going to say to yourself, I see the leaf. It's passing by on the brook and it's going to go down there and then I'm not going to see it anymore. You're calling out exactly what is in front of you. You're, you're just saying, you know, and how this translates with intrusive thoughts is call out the intrusive thought. That is an intrusive thought. I'm having this, I'm feeling this because it's an intrusive thought. It's not, you know, because you're predicting something. And again, telling yourself you are short of like going and checking your parents' brake lines in their car or whatever. Like, what are you going to do to prevent this thing that you're predicting? You know, so you want to think of, I see the leaf. There it is. There it goes, right? I have this intrusive thought. It popped up into my head because it's an intrusive thought. And that's what happens. And in a few minutes, it'll be gone. And you acknowledge that shit. And you sit in the suck for a little bit. Let it be scary a little bit. And then you are, you'll be amazed at how much faster it dissipates than sitting there and trying to not think about the leaf and wondering why you are. 
that make sense analogy wise? It's, and I swear it's not coming from a, a, a like minimizing place of, of like, you know, just think of it like it's gonna be gone in a few. I was, an, I was a little bit peeved when my therapist taught me this for my OCD, because I was like, you're gonna boil down all of the stress and pain and panic that I feel in that moment into what? Just saying, oh, just an intrusive thought. My therapist was like, yes. And I was like, okay, Roger that. And I did it and it helped. Um, and it's just because telling your brain, I know what this is, is, is actually a way to reduce that fight or flight mechanism when your brain doesn't know what something is and it needs to protect you. It's kind of crazy how something so subtle can be like turning it off, you know? <sighs> My favorite, the eight mile example. I, this has come up so many times recently, but anyone seen that movie with Eminem? <laughs> Some of you are real young in here. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna use the term back in the day, which is terrifying to me. But um, back in the day, there was a movie and it was all about this like this, this rapper, this like white rapper in Detroit. It was like this skinny little scrawny downtrodden kid. And like he would do rap battles and he was actually really freaking good but he would completely choke when it came time to the moment of it. So the end scene, it's such a ridiculous movie, <coughs> but I just think of the when he puked on himself. But anyway, um, at the end scene, when he finally gets up for the rap battle, he calls himself out on all the shit you could say. He talked about his upbringing, how bad his clothes were, how ugly he was, I don't know, whatever, how dumb he is. Like everything you could possibly, if you were a bully and you would pick on about him, he called it out. And then when he, it came time for the other guy to respond, he had nothing. Big inspirational moment, Eminem won. The other guy had absolutely nothing to say. He, he choked and then, you know, the curse was broken. He became a famous recording artist. So, you know, whatever. My point is when you're having intrusive thoughts about how you personally look, how you personally feel about yourself, you are just dragging yourself through the mud. You're being so hard on yourself, right? Change your way you're talking to yourself about it and say, instead of, just trying to not say those things, which won't work. And instead of being really vicious about it, instead, call it out like, I don't know what my husband just poured down the drain, but if that was, that was a weird sound that that made. It was so weird. I don't know. Sorry. Um, but call it out to yourself instead and be like, so let's say you're getting ready for a party, right? And you feel like fat and ugly or whatever. You'd be like, okay, so I'm going to this party. I don't like this outfit. I don't feel like it looks good on me. I don't feel like I look good. I'm gonna go to the party. It sounds so crazy, but is it not kind of the same as the leaf? It's just calling it out and being like, yeah, I could feel this way and uh, feel like shit at the party, or I could feel this way and I could just still go to the party. And you'll be amazed, I promise. It's not gonna make you feel like friggin' Heidi Klum the next day, right? But it's like uh, the next minute, but it is gonna give you that sense of, wow, what the hell? It's, it's like disarming the other person by saying all the shit you could say, right? Instead of being upset about being those things, you're just kind of like, I'm being honest, whatever. And acknowledging that you could still have the same time when you go out. And then when you do go out to that party and you see that people treat you great and you're having a great time and no one is like staring at your gut, you know, or any of the things that you are staring at in the mirror, 
it only adds more proof to those intrusive thoughts being useless in that moment. Let's say your intrusive thought is, um, let's, let's go with some career imposter syndrome, right? So you get something handed to you at work. It's this big honor or whatever. And your intrusive thought is, well, I'm going to fuck this up and they're going to regret doing this. Or I don't know if I'm that good. I don't know. Should people want to talk to me? Why should I reach out to the other people on my team? Like, I don't want them to think, oh, this is a good one. I don't want them to think I'm stepping on toes or acting like I know it all. Like, who the hell am I? Meanwhile, your superior has put you in that position because they feel that that's a strength. The way you call it out is be like, I mean, I'm going to try, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I'm going to do what I can, but... I'm really just going to try and like not fuck up, but if I need to ask someone for help, I will, but chances are I'm a noob. So it's going to be a bit of a learning curve. It's, it's still not saying like, I'm not asking you to in the moment to be like, you got this, go for it because that's not real. That's not going to feel real. So calling it out in point blank honesty to say, yeah, that's, that's what I'm feeling. That's what exists to me right now. But it's not going to change anything. You know, um, you're still going to feel shitty and then it'll dissipate a lot faster than harping on it. Assign a time and jotting stuff down. Ooh, this is a good one. I love assign a time. I use this for everything. There's a Zoom dedicated to assign a time as well, um, which is an oldie but a goodie for sure. But assign a time. If you find yourself dwelling about something and you feel like it's inconvenient timing, to trick your brain into thinking that it's not that you're going to stop thinking about it. Don't worry. It's not going to fall through the cracks brain, but I'm going to do this at 8 PM tonight or at 10 PM tomorrow, 3 PM, 9 AM, whatever. Can you tell I'm not a morning person, but like it's the act of telling your brain that you're going to table it for a different time. Not I'll think about it later. How many of us OCD people in here hate open-ended timeframes like that? We'll talk later. We'll see. I, I can't. We'll see is like my least favorite, but. Ugh. <laughs> so instead, assign a time is you have that time picked out in your calendar. And that is the time, you know, no one's going to bother you. Right. So that's the time you can go obsess about all the shit. Give yourself the permission. Be like, nope. I still want to ponder how much I hate my wrists and my ankles and the, you know, like the way they look in pictures and whatever little thought that is like intrusive thought that's loud. You write it down, plan it for a different time. Again, you're going to be surprised. <laughs> it feels so silly. And then when the time comes, the intrusive thoughts gone, you probably don't even want to spend that time thinking about it. It's just the moment that makes it feel really real and urgent and necessary to handle immediately, but it's not. And kind of on the same page here is mark your good days and your days to improve. I don't want you to write bad days, but pick, get like a light, like a wall hanging calendar. There's something I feel like, um, I don't know, cathartic about having a big ass just right on calendar. You can rip a page off of, I love it. Um, or like a desk one or something, but write on the calendar. When you have a good day, write it on that calendar. When you have a day that needs improvement, <laughs> AKA formerly known as bad days, put that in there too. 
have that let have that tangible comparison of how you're feeling because none of this is linear you know we're dealing we're unpacking with a lot of shit years of shit right we're not trying to to think that anyone's gonna hop off this zoom and be like i'm good right so back up what we're talking about tonight and give yourself a written example of how much we are non-linear we, we fluctuate all the time don't let it make you create a time frame that doesn't exist because you might go to that calendar thinking this has got to be like the last week this has been such shit and you realize that it's been the last two nights because you know your air conditioning broke and you haven't been sleeping and before when you thought you're just hopeless now you're like i'm a normal human who's cranky because i haven't gotten sleep for two days and it tells that that um, intrusive thought that you're just spiraling down this the hell path into nothing. It tells that to you know pipe down because here's some actual records of what's been going on. <laughs> Unpacking years of shit needs to be a t-shirt. <laughs> I wanna. I should just make t-shirts with sayings like my Michelleisms. My husband will look at me when I'm like, do you hear the things you say? <laughs> like, I was like, I was raised, if you want to know what has created the things that I say, and even though they didn't curse a lot, and I do, I definitely do, watch Seinfeld if you haven't. I, well, I watched that when it was live as a child, like small child, watched that shit before, it was on every week before ER. So I grew up with Larry David being the one who taught me my humor and my dialogue. And I think if you watch Simon, you could 100% see that in my, I don't know, cadence, I guess. Is that, a, is that the appropriate way to use that word? Um, you could totally make a second income with merch, someone said. I love you guys. Thank you for the encouragement. But yeah, unpacking years of shit, right? So when when it comes to that, keep records as much as you can. Our mind is always going to make something feel so much bigger and not because it should be minimized, but because when you're in the thick of it, who the hell has a means of time, you know, to be like, no brain, actually last week I had a great day. The rest of the week was shit, but I had a great day. You're not going to remember that one day. It's going to get washed away in the week of shit, right? So keep that calendar. It, believe it or not, simple, but it helps. Okay. <clears throat> so every time I do these, I'm thinking I, I didn't put enough info. This call is going to be too quick. And then it's, you know, 50 minutes later. So um, as you know, I love these as a springboard for our one-on-ones. So for sure, let me know how you thought, what you thought about tonight's talk. Um, I'll probably get back to you tomorrow um, and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. All right, I'll see you next week. Bye.